Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Well, 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 welcome back to season three of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. What is going on, Alora? I am Lawrence Henderson with Boss LLC. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are. I'm so excited to see you. This is awesome. Okay. So we've had a bit of a break here. COVID moving, new business stuff, all kinds of things on both of our plates. And so part of what I think is a perfect way to kind of come back in is to pick a good topic for today and see where we go. Yes, ma'am. What do you got? What you got? So I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about um, kind of this sort of um, question about strengths versus weaknesses. Right. So obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a certified strengths coach. I'm a big advocate of, of focusing on strengths. But one of the things that I've found, um, I've been leveraging more than I realized was an, a better understanding of my weaknesses. And it's not necessarily as much about like, oh, I'm going to invest all kinds of time in getting good at stuff that I'm just like really done a lousy at. But it's more around like, a better awareness, you know, and about making sure that I'm not, you know, that my natural approach for things isn't so focused on my own strengths that I'm completely missing that there are places I got to bring some gaps. So like dealing with, with understanding my own weaknesses and how to kind of modify some of my behavior. So I'm not, you know, just completely blowing past them. I think is really what I want to talk about is how do we how do we understand and start managing our own weaknesses without letting them consume us? Mm, I love that. And, and again, what, what's coming up for me as, as you talk about the strengths and weaknesses parts of it. And I think for a lot of us, we're at the top of a new year. Um, and, and again, that new year, new you, resolutions and all the rest of that stuff. But it's, it's, it's just a progression. And I, I think that's it's taking that next first step towards better and 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 i love this topic to lean into uh because that's my word for for 2021 for 2022 from 2021 and all the exciting things that i had so man i'm, I'm looking forward to digging in picking your little strength finders superpower brain okay uh, well this I, all means. I'll, I'll try it out our superpower so i'll give you an example so here's here's something and i had i had a really great speaking engagement today and was kind of talking about some of this stuff but um one of the things that, um, you know, when I, when you do your full Gallup strengths, they look out the whole thing and you can see kind of where the things that fall at the bottom. And so, you know, you can really spend, you know, your whole life just working on getting better at the things at the top of the list. And I'm a huge advocate of that on principle. But one of the things that has become really clear to me is that there are things that are at the bottom for me that once I understood that they were really low for me, made it much easier for me to realize that my natural way of approaching things might not work for everyone else. So perfect example is that I am really low on empathy, like super low. Like I'm my, like for me, empathy is like the bottom of my list. 
And we've talked about empathy a lot before, which is why you're sitting there laughing. But the truth is, one of the things I've realized is that I can kind of, I've been able to start being better about demonstrating kind of a, a casual social level of, of empathy that is very useful, especially in a virtual world, right? Like it's one thing to be when you're all in the same space or you're in the office together and you can, you can have conversations and you know, the natural opportunities for empathy can emerge, I think, a lot more easily in that kind of situation. But when you're purely virtual and there's no water cooler chat, there's no talking around the coffee pot kind of stuff happening, it can be a little harder to find those opportunities. And so one of the things that's been really interesting to me is on Slack or, or instant message or whatever, you know, th there are some people who always start a chat with, how are you? Good morning. How was your weekend? How's your husband? Like all these kinds of questions. Like, that's not me. I'm like, Hey, where did you land on this thing that we were talking about? Right? Like I cut straight to the chase. And, and sometimes I get irritated when people are like all super chatty. How was your week? I'm like, oh, like this bottom line it for me. Right. But that's to me, one of those like really clear examples I've been trying to be more conscious of is, you know what? There are people who want to make sure how are you doing? How's it going? And even though that's not necessarily my default approach, I have been making a much more concerted effort to reflecting some of that back to people. And it's been interesting to see the results, but it's also interesting when I noticed that like, oh my God, I'm like, oh God, can we just get to the chase, please? <laughs> I love it because Funny thing came up. I was talking to a group of leaders the other day, and I actually brought up your way of getting to empathy. And so I gave them kind of your description of it. Of it's there. It's just not your first preference, but it's there. And it looks different because it's not front loaded for you. And, 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 and I said, that's where as leaders, building in this element of self-awareness, self-management, and that social, active social awareness of the reason why you want to work on it is because you've identified it as a social understanding that you need to engage with to influence, whatever it is, you just want to be better. And I think that positive nature of looking at weaknesses, not as, oh, i got to come up in this area, but it's like, Okay, what's the opportunity? And I really believe the coach in you is like Alora, <laughs> Alora, you, you, Alora. So it's so funny. So I know that's funny you say that because so we're in the middle of performance reviews at, at my company, and and one of the one of the criteria that I'm being asked to support some of my staff on is you know empathy, and and the funny thing is I have a guy on my team who's a technical expert in his area, extremely good. He's he's a very um, he's your classic technical introvert. He's very quiet. So he struggles when he has to get put on, when he gets put on the spot to like communicate with a broad audience, not his favorite thing. Um, but he also like one of the questions in his review was about like, you know, his demonstration of empathy. And I'm thinking to myself, I know how I want to answer that question about him because actually I think he has a tremendous capacity for empathy, but I don't think his, ver his I think his version is very much like mine and it doesn't automatically look like empathy to anyone else. So in going through it, it actually brings up this whole question to me about like, is, how are we defining something like empathy? How do, how is it that we actually want, I mean, 
I mean, he's getting us, you know, we're getting scored on this as part of our performance evaluation. And it's like, so what is, you know, what does that look like? And to, to your point, right, empathy for me doesn't always look like it does to someone else. And, you know, again, good morning. How was your weekend? Like, uh, okay. But I think that the reality of it is, is that there is a social currency that ultimately you have to cultivate in any interaction and understanding where you're really weak, well, you know, whether it is in how you communicate or whether it is in, you know, automatically being empathetic or whatever it is, I think is, is a really valuable way to also identify where someone else might be really strong or really inclined to lean in. Yeah. And I think, I think there's to, and to your point there, there I think for a, uh, a lot of us, and I would say me highly, highly empathetic now and, and how I'm defining it is um, shout out to, to one of our favorite people, uh, Renee Brown, uh, was waiting how long she had, her name was going to come up. Um, so I went ahead and broke the ice on that one. Um, and from her book of the way she defined connectedness from her book, the gifts of imperfection, I've now highlighted that as my empathy definition of helping others feel seen, feel heard, and feel valued and appreciated in our presence is my version of empathy. Because to me, it removes me from the obligation of trying to fit inside your shoes. And it could be something as simple as, Alora doesn't need a good morning. Alora needs a productivity update. And if, well, I give, and if I front load that, she'll exactly. get to, she'll get to how was my weekend, but I need to front. <laughs> that's ex- so it's, I love that you said that because that's actually, so it's so funny. So I work with a guy who's very much like me, very low empathy. And so we'll go two, three, four days, not having any interaction. And then one of us will, you know, slack the other one. Hey, I just want to check in on this or, Hey, did you have an update about whatever? And we'll get into the actual meat of it. And invariably, our conversation comes back around to, so how you doing? How you feeling? How are the kids? How's the husband? Like, you know, all that stuff. We get to it. It's just not first. And we don't start everything that way. And we don't feel offended if I'm like, oh, damn, I've got, you know, 30 seconds before this meeting starts. Can you give me an answer for that question? Like, you know, real quick. Like, there's none of, there's none of that stuff in that. But, but it's also because we both know that about each other. And we're both comfortable with the fact that it's not, you know, it's not something we feel the need to, to kind of, you know, stop and count to 10 and let's go through the good morning stuff. Like it's a very different dynamic, but I always think about your point about, you know, trying to understand empathy and like, how, like, how am I, how am I supposed to know what it's like to be a white woman? Like, that's just so not in your wheelhouse. Like it's just a hard mental puzzle to crack. For sure. And I, and I think what you just spoke to there, it's the contextual empathy of it all. Right. And, and it's if we have 30 seconds before a meeting starts and if I choose to be offended because you cut me off to get an answer because you have to be prepared for something, then the problem lies with the person that's offended, not the person that they're offended by. Because at the end of the day, if I hear it from you, that's for my offense is translating that you meant to wrong me. Yes. And so, so I, yeah, I, go lo- ahead. I love that point as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another. So one of the things I was talking about in the, in the event today is that, you know, if you, if you kind of give people space, a lot of the times they'll tell you what they need and they usually do it by showing it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like I was talking about, like the people who start off, you know, a, a conversation with good morning, how was your weekend? 
they're also in many cases telling me that's actually what they want back from me. And mm-hmm. it's a really clear mirror in most cases. And so I can kind of help modulate my like cut to the chase, let's move on already kind of, you know, perspective with what I'm seeing from them. But the flip side of that is still like, there are times when you can't always subscribe to the Mm -hmm. niceties that you see from someone. Um, And then it's a matter of making sure they have enough information to know why something is urgent or why you're over talking about this when they really want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think it comes into play. Um, So I'm just thinking about, you know, new semester at Morehouse College has started and I'm thinking about when it comes to me, time is a thing, particularly I'm Professor Henderson. I'm getting into professor mode. And, and, and my, my old school major Henderson starts coming up. And I'm see, as I'm seeing people creep into the Zoom room um, and, and all these other things. But I know these are students. I know this is a young and, a, and I need to engage them. And so come in my niceties. Hey, how's it going? Good afternoon, everyone. Great to see you all. Go ahead and get your cameras rolling and all that. Like I'm doing the administrative task stuff. But I'm, but uh, there's a bubbly, the bubbliness to it, and and one of the things is like, oh, and and I am not intending and hoping no one actually responds to how you're doing, like I like so so I can keep moving, but when they do, I have a a witty phrase locked and loaded, but <laughs> but nothing that will get me off track, right? And so they'll say, I'll say, hey. How's it going, everybody? Everybody good to go? They're like, yeah. Uh, how's it going, professor? If it was going any better, it'd be a crime. And so I keep like, and I keep it moving. You but for them, moving. it triggers like, and they smile. And so, and so they got what they needed from yeah. them engaging me and all the rest of that. But I kept it moving. And so I think for a lot of us, it's permission to insert a pause, and that pause is the response to a good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Which for us, there's um, something, in, and again, as a, a partner part of this, connectedness is one of mine. Connectedness is one of my strengths, right? It, close, like it's number three for me. And I understand connectedness to be, we, I just need to have meaningful exchanges. I don't need to, and that's not diary stuff. That's, hey, you see me, acknowledge me. That's connectedness for me yep. and hold that space not we need to know each other's deepest, darkest secrets. That's not my connectedness. And so I think defining a space is important for a lot of people and kind of what are, what's on the tip of your strength, right? How are you defining what this is? So. Well, and I think it's in, another interesting point that that brings up for me, right? Is back to, um, you know, this, this really kind of overly virtualized world we've all found ourselves, you know, in and that we're, going to remain in indefinitely right I mean whatever happens so again a lot of companies that might have been very like butts in seats oriented pre-COVID have spent the last two years in a lot of cases doing recruiting that's no longer geographically bound so even when people can get back in the office in any kind of like regular sort of way now they've got workforces that aren't even in the same time zone so like that has just fundamentally changed a lot of things and so it comes back to trying to figure out like how do we how do we build kind of that awareness of each other and what, what people need and, you know, what are my strengths versus my weaknesses? And I think, again, we're back to like, how do you make space for that? So you can see it, you can understand what that, you know, what that person is, is needing 
um, particularly because a lot of times people don't, they, we don't do a good job always of saying, hey, I really need this. But again, if you're watching, you can often see, they're, all, they're often doing it through telling what, what they tell you. Um, and I think that's another thing that we struggle to understand how to watch for. Yeah, and I think that that goes to, uh, and, I, and I love how um, the timing of us getting back together for, for these are, are amazing uh, because my new uh, PhD course that I'm in is around conflict and mediation. And what I'm beginning to understand and, and learn all about are these conflicts in engagement. And it could be the most basic things, but the framing of how we're defining conflict and who is responsible for the emotions that are being inserted into these engagements. And for a lot of us, if we identifying the strengths, but I love how the strength finder says, hey, we have all of them. It's just a matter of us thinking good of the other person that the, it's in there somewhere we just need mm -hmm. to call it forward for them and and there's a translation of why for the right somebody like you is like okay get to the goods bottom line up front dude like and don't front load a hug like <laughs> probably not. i yeah, yeah i usually do hugs at the end not at the beginning right right <laughs> and and so and so for you alora i got your stuff got your email um and all that's all you wanted to know from me that i got got it got your stuff okay cool what's up <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. but I think for a lot of people, getting them good at communication, and I and I and I call it a, I told somebody the other day, I called it operational emotional intelligence. I was like, we need to operationalize emotional intelligence. Let's let's just stop talking about self-awareness. Oh, self-management. Oh, social like what does it look like in action? What does it look like to be practiced it and give people permission to practice? That's all this is, is permission to practice. So, okay, so in the permission, so taking that into account, so permission to practice, what are some of your kind of inherent weak spots that you have started kind of finding ways mm -hmm. to, to manage your way through without getting stuck in a sand pit? Yeah, some, some, so, one of, so one of my big things is victim, uh, victims uh, people people who put themselves in a victim mentality kind of thing and they're the, the woe is me the world's against me kind of things and and what i've <laughs> what i've kept myself from doing um because responsibility is my number one um and, and so when i hear it you're offending <laughs> take ownership be responsible um and, and so what i'm doing is paused and it's really like okay lawrence connectedness is one of yours um, and, and so what is it, what's happening to them? And so it's really deploying, um, pausing for clarity because I know if I'm agitated, I've made something real. I've, I've made something true. And so what I've started doing to myself is pausing. What am I making true and challenge that? Um, and so it's caused, uh, me to deploy empathy and do a whole lot more self-management, particularly of my faces. Um, since I know the majority of what we do is virtual, uh, and, and I was literally destroying virtual spaces with my faces. And so, and so, and so, that sounds like it should be a buffer sticker. 
that's actually a really that's actually really interesting though. So I have a very um I have a my my best friend talks all the time about how like again work from home on video all day and she's she has a really big struggle. She's got a very high maintenance client with a, a severe sense of entitlement and she's constantly finding herself like sort of offended at how you know much they just assume everything should always be their way and you know right. every other client is just too bad because they're not as important um and so she constantly talks about how like she really struggles with her poker face and, and how mm -hmm. she's like trying to keep it together and she's trying to keep it together and i was thinking about that today as i was on this zoom uh for the speaking event that i was doing and i was watching I was watching kind of the different people and their facial reactions, who was turning the camera off and going back to a picture and who wasn't. And it was making me think about when I do that and when I don't. Like there are absolutely conversations where I turn my camera off because I know that I am at risk of expressing something that is not going to serve me well. Um, but I do think it's a good, it's a good thing back to that just self-awareness, right? Like you, you can't you know, you can't assume that you're always going to have a handle on, on a reaction. So like, what's, what, you know, how do you manage the risk when you find yourself in a situation where you're like, mm, you know, this person has a tendency to get under my skin a little bit. So I'm mm -hmm. going to, you know, give myself permission to turn the camera off for a bit. Not mm -hmm. No. And I, and I think it's that permission and that understanding of our humanity um, is is another thing that we just need to embrace. And that's just like, we're not gonna always agree. And me and you talked about this before, but it's okay. It's okay. And, but the, the other side of it is just because we don't agree, I don't throw, it's not like, you're not discarded from being a trusted ally and friend and confidant and all the rest of that. Me and you have proved that. Yeah. We just, our ability to be like, guess what? You got belief systems? Cool. But that belief system shouldn't cause you to treat me like a piece of dirt. Like, yeah. no, that's your thing. And so I got my thing. You got your thing. Hey, yep. we can still coexist in that you're as a person. I love you. I appreciate you. I value you. I adore you. You just got a difference of opinion. Right? Well, a, the feelings you thank you. And yeah, B, thank you. so I, I also think this comes back to, you know, again, understanding our weaknesses, right? Because I think we all, mm -hmm. we all have things that trigger us, right? And, and a lot of times, especially as you get older, you kind of know this sort of situation is inclined to ruffle my feathers, sometimes more than I wish it would or whatever else. And so like, how do you, you know, how do you try to mitigate that? Or how do you try to, you know, give yourself permission to sort of, you know, feel what you're feeling without necessarily like spraying damage all around you at the same time. And I think that's an interesting balancing act that is if you don't understand your own weaknesses and your own triggers, you can't you can't find the line for how to how to manage that, right? And I think that's a really important reason also to be as clear as you can about just the stuff that just really rubs you the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I, but I think that's a nod to the need to make sure you have a budget for professional development and you getting a coach and you having somebody who you've given permission to push your buttons. Um, and, and that's the one thing that I absolutely love about coaching um, is the coach 
should be able to hold a space where challenge is practiced in, in that space, particularly around challenge of the BS in our lives. And that BS stands for our belief systems, yeah. our blind spots, um, our blanket statements that we make about our lives. And so those are, that's, those are the be really, if we think about what's at the root of most of our weaknesses and all the rest of that, there's a belief. There's something we've been practicing that we've made something real and somebody called it out. Like you said, somebody potentially is mirroring mm -hmm. something that they need from you and your lack of willingness to engage their need that actually may be a that may be a weakness that just got identified and and I love that you embraced yours right you embraced it and said you know what there's something to this I want to talk through it I want to talk more about it but then it's it wasn't you hit that easy button of this is the way I am I'm at this age you know I'm just kind of you know, whatever oh I hate that answer I hate that <laughs> response makes me crazy that response makes me nuts so it's so funny because you know I was um so so uh the Atlantic had a had a really great article this week about um, how hard it is to make friends after forty. Like it was a really it was it was a really good article. And as I was reading it, I kept thinking about you know my grandmother and how like she she married my grandfather when she was seventeen. You know, and like they were always together. They made friends together. Like it was completely together. And then after he died, suddenly she was alone and had to make friends on her own for the first time as an adult. And at first she kind of did take that, well, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just, and then it got lonely. Like it did, it got really lonely. She was in a new place. She was, you know, most of her, the people she had really been spending time with over the years were gone. Like, and suddenly she was truly by herself in a completely new situation and had that awareness of, oh man, I have no idea how to make friends by myself. Like she, she was an introvert. My grandfather was the extrovert. She just relied on him to kind of reel him in and they, you know, made friends that way. And so watching her kind of take that initial, nah, this is just the way I am, and then be like, all right, well, that might not be working out so well. So maybe they got to go back to the drawing board. Um, and then try to watch her try to figure out how to be friends, you know, and how to make friends. Like she's 91 years old and she's like making friends. And in some cases, you know, they're, they're actually turning out to be better friendships than she expected. In other cases, they might still drive her a little nuts, but like either way, just watching her do that and watching her acknowledge that being stubborn wasn't actually going to serve her at all has been really interesting to kind of, it's a good reminder because she is, she's 91. <laughs> she could totally just be like, eh, forget it. Not yeah, happen. no. And I think, I think something you, that's super important that, that you pulled out there is, is really just us understanding kind of what that's what it looks like what it what it'll what it'll feel like to, to get out of our own heads about stuff right because we can we can you know kind of internalize so much and um about what's important to us and, and value that but it's really okay what's what's serving me right is in and how is it impacting how i engage others and and so i think I've come, I've gotten really, really sensitive around, is it serving me? Is it my stuff to do? Um, and, and really, when it comes to relationships, I long for it. Like, I, I really, like, I'm a, I'm a relational person. Like, I just, like, I'm super sensitive at this point um, in my life. And I just want, I want valuable relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need a lot of them. 
I just want them to be a value when I, when I do have them. No, and I, yeah, I love that. And I think the, um, it's, again, we come back to Brene Brown, right? It's the stories we tell ourselves. Like, what is the story that I'm making up in my head? And I think the sooner we can start identifying, okay, did they really say that? Or am I rewriting it as I'm thinking about it? Cause I was, you know, cause it rubbed me the wrong way. And now I've like completely built this whole other story around that exchange. And that one to me is so hard, but it also brings me back to that point, that question, right? Cause that's the question I also obsessively ask myself these days is, does this serve me? If it doesn't, then for the most part, I've gotten much better about letting it go. But like, if I had a time machine, if you go back and talk to the 26 year old version of me, like I would have saved myself all kinds of heartache and frustration and all kinds of aggravation. If I had like learned the lesson then, you know what? Don't get your nicotine twist if it ain't gonna serve you. You you hit the nail on the head and, and kind of as, I would say kind of as a, a, a grounding point for me is getting good at being able to name um, what something is for you. Um, and my newest read for 2022, the beginning of 2022, um, I had it since November, but Brene's new book, Atlas of the Heart. And, and so when I tell you this is chock full of a coach's dream of research and words and framing and language, and I'm like, ooh, it's getting good. Oh, uh, good. I haven't read it yet, so I've been oh, waiting for it. I've been waiting for it to come out on Audible because I actually like listening to her her mm -hmm. actually read it, but um, mm -hmm. well, not for a couple, maybe a couple months or so. But yeah. no, I'm glad to hear that. But yeah, I think that's really that's really again, it comes back to why I think it's valuable to understand both your strengths and your weaknesses, because once you can start seeing your behavior and assigning language to, okay, that's what that was. I, you know, he's not, he's not asking me about my, my weekend because he's trying to burn through 15 minutes of this meeting here. Like he, he was asking because that's, that's how he relates. That's how, especially in the work world, he's trying to make sure that he feels a sense of connection in this situation. And he's, you know, that's his, his manifestation of empathy. And so I don't have to get all worked up that, you know, it's wasting my time. Um, it's just like, that's what that is. But until, until I think I had better language to apply to that and to be able to say, okay, that's his style. That's why that's, that's what he's going for when he's doing that. Or this is why she's handling this that way, even though it's not the way I would do it. Like it's a probably going to still get us there. And I think that's the other piece of this is like, there are a lot of different avenues we could take to get to the same destination. It doesn't have to be the same, but to be able to actually identify it, recognize it in the moment, and then be like, oh, okay, well, that might not have been my preference, but it'll still work. It doesn't, you know, it's not black and white. Yeah. And I think, I think for, for a lot of us, particularly the leaders in us, and as we develop and try to engage in a, in a more meaningful way, looking at the strengths and weaknesses as you know as complementary to to each other and i think the, there's that school of thought of you know the strengths are the strengths right it's it's the trying to make the rabbit swim kind of thing and it's just like no it's it's okay what are our strengths but then identifying those weaknesses and how they're serving or not 
And, and that, I think, because there's a framing, right, of why do I believe I need to work on that thing? If, right, and so in that, that's the other part of it is, is, is framing this, is it serving me, um, and kind of thing, and that way you, you keep as much, you know, even embracing the negativity of approaching, you know, I had a, uh, you know, had a client, had a leader client who just was like, ah, people are squishy, and I was like, yeah, you got squishy stuff, I said, you got stuff that you're squishy about, I said, their stuff is just not your stuff, I said, but let it be the right topic and watch you get all emotional and squishy. Yeah. And, and I said, what's your stuff? And he started looking at me. I said, found it. <laughs> I said, found it. And he was like, he's like, what? I said, found it. I said, your stuff is being challenged. I said, that was his, like, that was his thing. No, he was in a role that he never felt challenged throughout a day, but he was the one, he was the challenger. Right. But there was nobody in his organization who put who put it back in front of him. And so he did. So that literally was his counterpoint. I can do it. I can't take it. Yeah. Oh, well, and that's that's true for a lot of us on a lot oh. of fronts, to be sure. But that's actually, you know, one of the reasons I like. So, you know, Gallup defines your weakness. It, you know, Gallup ranks your strengths based mm -hmm. on, on your natural kind of inclinations. Things at the bottom, they they are really careful to frame, though. It, they're only a weakness is just something that gets in your way, right? A weakness is something that creates a problem for you or a challenge that, that you didn't necessarily need. So, you know, it doesn't, it's not automatically a weakness that I have, you know, a pretty low empathy ranking, all things considered, unless that becomes a problem in my relationships or in, you know, my daily life for some reason. And I think that's really where, you know, it comes back to your question of, does it serve you or not? And it's like, well, it can totally get, it can absolutely be a problem. I mean, I've, you know, I can be accused of being a robot all the time. Like it happens constantly, um, you know, and it doesn't always go over well with different people that I'm dealing with. But having said that, there are other, there are other things that are maybe low on my, on my strengths list that I don't worry about. Like, you know, there's a really, you know, there's a lot of like very like detail oriented, you know, kind of, you know, things that's like, is it a weakness? Well, it might've been earlier in my career where I was like trying to do like quality assurance testing or something like that. And I needed to pay attention to like a super like minute kind of set of details. I don't really have to do that anymore. So it's not, it's not really one of those things that's a challenge that I keep feeling compelled to come back to. You know, empathy is, is because I, you know, I deal with people on a daily basis, right. More than anything else. And, and, um, you know, there's plenty of, you know, but the consequence of, of a lot of Brene Brown's work is that, you know, a lot of us have, have a perspective on the role of empathy in our, in our lives and in our work now that's probably different than it was 15 years ago. And I think that's great. But it also brings us back to situations where, you know, someone's asking me to rate one of my employees in their, in their annual review about like, you know, do, you know, basically how much empathy do they show to their colleagues? And it's like, well, shows empathy to colleagues because he tries to solve their problem, not because he sits down and whinges about it. Like there's a difference and they, they show up in different ways based on his natural inclinations. Man, that's good. That's good. This is, this is a good topic. Well, it's because I've been feeling a lot of need to deal with my weaknesses lately. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A, a lot, I'd say a lot of great things are birthed 
out of the things that we're working on. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's always what, again, one more Brene Brown reference, you know, when she, she talked about, I remember what pocket was, she said, you know, anytime, anytime you people want to ask me what I'm researching, you know, what I'm interested in right now, it's whatever, whatever research I'm writing a book at the moment, like that's mm-hmm. what I'm in the middle of. I yep. think that's true of all of us, right? I think that's Definitely. You know, the stuff that we get the most excited about at any given moment is usually the stuff that we've been working our way through and it's messy, mm-hmm. convoluted, and it's rarely, you know, all that black and white because if it was, it wouldn't be that interesting. It'd be, you know, obvious and move on to something else. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, man, oh, man really man. great point. So, all righty, pal. Well, I think we just hit a wrap point then, didn't we? Yeah. We sure did. And it was so natural. Golly. Like, it's like, it's like riding a bike. Like riding I know. Bike. This is what I missed about us, us actually doing this. So I'm so happy we're back. So we are getting back into our regular schedule and we will be kicking around and we'll get everything posted. But I am so happy to get the chance to talk to you again. I missed you. I missed you as well. And those of you out there, y'all connect with us. Share, yeah, like, seriously. subscribe, all that good stuff. Yep, yep. Especially uh, Mr. Henderson here. He's all over social media. He's like a social media complete like bulldozer these days, man. You're everywhere. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, I, see, uh, some people would take offense if I called him a bulldozer. You know that that's a compliment. So I'm uh, one of the things I missed about you. <laughs> Terms of endearment, Absolutely. only ways that can come from Alora. I love it. Absolutely. Alrighty, pal. I will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, everyone has a fantastic day. All right. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.